Welcome to the First Apostolic Church Podcast. Our church mission is to love as God loves, showing compassion to every soul, thus winning those souls and equipping them to be sent out to plant and to harvest. Thank you for joining us today, and we hope that you are blessed by today's podcast. So that's just a little bit of a survey for the month of October. If you'll stand, if not standing, for the reading of the word of the Lord, we'll turn to Ephesians chapter number 4. Ephesians chapter number 4. Been in the series of our mission, the First Apostolic Church mission statement. And I had originally planned to have the last little phrase to plant the harvest as being my last phrase, but I decided to take uh, the phrase I was working on today and just couple it with that last uh, to avoid from being redundant. Uh, really just kind of couple these two together so this will be our last lesson in this series here tonight Uh, our mission statement for the church that bishop did years ago was to love as god loves showing compassion to every soul thus winning those souls and equipping them to be sent out to plant and to harvest and so our focal point tonight will be on the and equipping them to be sent out to plant and harvest part here tonight and we'll finish the series here on this last Wednesday in September believe it or not October is just tomorrow all right amen Ephesians 4 verse number 11 starting the Bible says and he gave some apostles some prophets some evangelists some pastors and teachers for the perfecting of the saints for the work of the ministry for the edifying of the body of Christ till we all come into the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God unto a perfect man unto the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ again we're going to be considering and equipping them to be sent out to plant and to harvest tonight Lord Jesus I thank you Father tonight God for this gathering together of people God, we know, Lord, there are a lot of things going on in the lives of your people. A lot of things going on in the hearts, Lord Jesus, of people. I pray, oh God, today, help us just to take the next few moments just to bring your word of God into focus as a focal point here this evening. I know, God, that you're able to enable us, Lord Jesus, to consider the word of the Lord. God, let it be, Lord, bread and food for our souls. We'll thank you and love you for in the lovely name of Jesus Christ that I pray. Amen. Everybody say amen. 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 You may be seated. Take a deep breath and let it out. That's what I feel like I need to do right now. Amen. There's probably uh, several others that feel the same. Just need to take that deep breath, inhale and exhale just for a moment. Just for a moment. And equipping them to be sent out. The them that we're referring to in this phrase, of course, are those souls that were one. The souls that were one. Equipping them to be sent out to plant and to harvest. If I can for just a moment for us to grapple with the concept that's going to be dealt with here tonight. If you would consider your own role, uh, those of you that are parents or have been parents, if you consider your own role of being a parent, if our only role as parents was responsibility for conception and the birth of a baby I would dare to say that there would be a lot of fatalities if our only role as parent was just conception and birthing of a baby for that matter I'd also believe that 
there would probably be more immature adults than we currently have in society if the role of parenting just stopped at conception and at birth. With that being said, I do believe a very common misconception of the church is that the church, she exists to win lost souls alone. That's all that her purpose is. And no doubt while that is a part of the existence of the church, that isn't all that we exist for. That is definitely a vein that is vital and important to the existence of the church, but that isn't just what we are totally about. Whenever a newborn babe in Christ is born, there are development stages that as a newborn babe in Christ that a person will go through, a new convert will go through. And there are disciplines that are needed for that newborn babe in Christ that they need in order to become what I would call a functioning adult Christian in Christ. And so the importance of the church just isn't on seeing souls saved, but it is the development of those souls. It's that those souls would grow into something beyond what they are when they're first born again of the water and of the Spirit. In a book called The Equipping Church, the author Sue Mallory said these words. She said, the point of church growth is not to collect new people and cage them with church programs. Said the goal of the church health is not to fatten up church members for show, but the church exists to equip people in order to release them back into the world, grounded in truth and community, dangerous for the gospel. And so with that being said tonight, and I believe with the premise of our scripture, it should not be the desire of the church to win souls only so they will become spectators during service time. Uh, It's not just solely for the fact of adding numbers to an assembly just simply to be a number or a spectator in an audience. Christianity needs to be more than a spectator sport. With that said, one person, they gave the definition of of football like this, and I don't believe it's a definition that we need to adopt for the church. They relate it like this. It said, it's 22 men down on the field, desperately in need of rest, and 20,000 in the grandstands, desperately in need of exercise. Because you can get that type of mentality in the church that you have a certain segment of the congregation that's involved in ministry or the work of the ministry while there's a bunch of others that's just watching the parade of ministry go by and they show up and they attend service and they may give offerings and so forth and all that is needful and necessary but I believe Christ wins us into his church to become a member, a functioning member of the body of Christ. And so it's more than just winning souls. It is, as our statement of mission is, it is equipping those souls. Uh, In the New Testament scripture, the church is represented. She's represented as a bride. She's also represented as the body of Christ. And as the book of Corinthians tells us, that body has, although one body, it has many members. And those members are functioning Members, No matter how uh, grand or what you may consider an insignificant part of your body, it more or less serves some type of function for the benefit of the whole body. And so the souls that are won into the kingdom of God, 
they need to be equipped and become functioning members that are a part of the body of Christ. Now, with that being said, make no mistake about it tonight. Every person is a part of the church. Every person that is a part of the church in, a, in some regard is a taker. Every single one of us. We are takers. You get ministered to. There's things, there's in certain regards, you being a part of the body of Christ, you are a taker. However, a very distinguishable trait are those who have become con contributors as well. That means being involved in the work of the ministry. That might mean uh, being, if I, I know we name these all the time, but it might be someone that cleans the church. They're a, a contributor as well. Someone that runs the audio and the visual, that's being a contributor as well. A teacher, a contributor, being a contributor, not just a taker. And so the ultimate scenario then for the church and the church family, new souls, old souls, any souls, for that matter, is that an individual would contribute more than they would require. That they would contribute more than they take. And so in reality, the footprint, if you will, our footprint for that matter, for the kingdom of God can grow exponentially at the equipping stage of our, of our mission statement. To love as God loves, showing compassion. We can grow exponentially right here at the equipping stage. And the reason why I say that is this. If 10 souls are added to a church, let's say that's the size of 50 people, if 10 souls are added to a church the size of 50 people and those souls are taught and those souls are equipped to be loving and to be compassionate, then the influence of that 50-member church has just grown because of those 10 souls. That's not just been added, but been equipped and trained to do what those already have done, loving, compassion, winning, if you will, compassion winning souls. But if those 10 souls are one, all right, everybody with me, if those 10 souls are one, not developed, not trained, they're one, they're in the church, that church just grew in quantity by 10, but not necessarily in quality. Amen. And really, and quite frankly, it may be that she may have grown in quantity but may possibly have decreased in quality if you add 10 more takers that will never be productive in contribution. Amen. Amen. And so here's the crux of the matter, I think, for us here this evening. A church, you cannot equip People without investing enormous amounts of time. Training, mentoring, equipping, it takes time. It takes time. And in order for that to happen, it takes people to invest the time. It takes people to invest the time. Not only that, I believe it takes outside help to develop those souls. 
No, Brother McGee, if they receive the baptism of the Holy Ghost, yes, I understand. Please, I, I know, I know. I, I'm too carnal right now, not being spiritual enough. I understand. The Holy Ghost is going to lead and guide them into all truth, and it is an onboard teacher to them. Yes, that is absolutely right. In God's Word, God's Word is vital. It's an excellent tool to help them grow and to help equip them but even with that even with God's word and the Holy Ghost many times there's needing some type of outside guidance so that they know how to apply that Holy Ghost they've received and how to apply that word that they hear preached and that word that they hear taught amen and so the Bible tells us in Ephesians 4 and 11 it says in he the he that's being referred to in verse 11 is Christ that Christ gave these differing rows of ministry of, of, of apostles and prophets and evangelists and pastors and teachers, gave these different rows of ministry God have given them. And there's one thing that all of these different rows of ministry have in common, and that is all of them have an interaction with the Word of God or a handling, if you will, of the Word of God. Apostle, prophet, evangelist, teacher, pastor, all of these are individuals that handle or rows that handle or interact with the word of God. For that matter, I ask you this question tonight. How else would these rows accomplish the perfecting of the saints if they were not those who handled the word of God? Because true perfection or maturity in the church can only happen through and by his word. Oh, <laughs> oh yes. It, it, it requires the word of the Lord. If, if, if we're going to mature in our Christian walk the Lord, it is going to demand the word of the Lord. Anybody that says it can be done aside or apart from God's word is lying to you. Amen. The Bible says in 2 Timothy 3, 16, verses that we adore and have grown to love, the Bible says all scripture, everybody say all scripture is given by inspiration of God and is what is? All Scripture is profitable for what? Doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction. Can I insert their training? In righteousness, verse 17, that the man of God... Now, this is Paul speaking to Timothy, so he's saying it in the context of the man of God, Timothy, who would become the, the pastor of the church of Ephesus. So he's speaking that the man of God. But I, I could even just as well throw out there that any person of God, not, not just, I know when we speak man of God, you think of some role of, of authority of a pastor or evangelist, but I'm talking about anybody, saint of God. So the saint of God may be perfect, or if you will, equipped. Thoroughly furnished unto all good works. Paul told Timothy the way that the man of God, or may I, the saints of God, the way that they are equipped, the way that they are perfected is by the word of God. The word of God. It takes the word of God. Number one, number one, new souls, new souls equipping them. One way to help equip them is to try to encourage them to be in church when the church doors are open. Amen. Because if the word of God helps equip them, they are void of a lesson of equipping if they're not here on a Sunday morning, Sunday night, or Wednesday night. And so it's important then, that's the reason why when you don't see them sitting out there, you pick up the phone. Us, the church, FAC mission here. 
pick up the phone and say, hey, I noticed you weren't there. Just wanted to let you know that we missed you. Now, you don't have to go, you should have been at church. That's the wrong way to approach it. Say, we missed you. And hopefully what that does is spawn something in them. They could have had a legitimate reason for not being here. But maybe they'll be here next time. And what are you doing? You're allowing an intersection where they can somehow be polished again by the word of God. In doing so, that's helping equip them, amen, and perfect them in their walk, in their relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Verse 13 this evening, verse 13 of Ephesians 4 it tells us some of the overarching goals that we're trying to reach with this perfection or equipping of the saints. Some of the overarching goals here in verse 13, it says, till, or if I may, until, we all come in the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God unto a perfect, which basically means mature man, unto the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. The overarching goal that we're trying to reach with this perfecting or equipping of the saints is so that these people will have a unity of faith, a unity of belief, a unity of belief, that they'll believe the things that the Scripture have taught, that they'll have a knowledge of the Son of God or a knowledge of Jesus Christ and His work and His purpose, even for you and I. And then thirdly, that they would come unto a perfect man or rather a mature man. Because when a soul is first one, they are not mature. When a baby's born, it doesn't walk, it doesn't talk, it doesn't feed itself. It's very much so immature. Through process of time, through teaching and training, it develops, becomes mature, and hopefully it can put its own clothes on by the time it's 21. But what I'm saying is this, the go overarching go of this equipping is that someday that babe in Christ will become a mature adult in Christ. You can't expect much from a baby, but you have more of a right to expect something from an adult. See, in the beginning, there may not be much of the contribution that's capable to be done because they are a babe in Christ. But as they mature in the Lord, that expectation should be able to increase. You've heard my old story before. You know, I could tell an 18-month kid to clean up its room. <laughs> it's just not going to get very far. But now that they're the ages of 6 and 10, I should be able to say that and with expectation it be done. Why? Because they're a little older now. They understand a little bit more. Now, I cannot breathe heavily down their neck if I never showed them how to pick up. Because it's on my shoulders to do the training, the equipping, and rightly so, it's up on the shoulders of the church to do the training and the equipping of new people in the faith. You teach them at a stage where they will understand and are teachable. I cannot even take a five-year-old and begin to try to teach all the dynamics of how to drive because they're not in a development stage to be able to even understand all of the concepts that's involved there. But I do teach them what they're capable of understanding at that place in their life. So it doesn't mean just bar all teaching till they're capable of understanding. No, it means teach them what they're capable of understanding at every juncture along their development process.
And so we get there through, we get to these overarching goals through and by the word of God. Look at the next couple of verses, if you will, Ephesians 4, 14 and 15. That we henceforth be no more children tossed to and fro. Look, he said children tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine by the slight of men and cunning craftiness whereby they lie in wait to deceive, but speaking the truth in love may grow up into him in all things, which is the head, even Christ. So we're in this growth process. And in this growth process, we're going to get to a place that we're no more like we were when we first came to the Lord. We're not like children anymore. Not every little newfangled doctrine comes around. Are we like chasing a rabbit and saying, you know what, I think that sounds right. No. We've been made firm and resolute in the word of God, the doctrines of his word, and we're not moved from that. We're we're not easily taken off balance by false doctrines or craftiness or deception that happens in the world or even happens within our own homes and our families. The reason why is because we've been equipped with the true word, the true word of God. Amen. That those men of the apostles, prophets, and pastors and teachers that have handled. And note verse number 13, 15. But speaking the truth in love. The truth of what? Speaking the truth, the truth of what? Well, the truth, the truth of the word of God. Because this is our vice for development, the word of God. John said in John 17, 17, he said, Sanctify them through thy truth, thy word. He said, is truth. And so when men handle the word of God rightly, it will provide an environment for growth in all things that pertain unto Christ Jesus. Mm -hmm. Whenever you handle the word of God rightly. The Bible says in 1 Peter 2, 2, he said, as newborn babes desire, as babes desire the sincere milk of the word, that ye may grow thereby. Amen. There are some things of this word that are like a T-bone steak with the biggest bone in it. You kind of navigating your way around the tea. But there are other things that are like milk. There's really no chewing required. You just need to swallow. That's for babes. They are after the milk. He said, but that word, which he's, which he's making a, a little parallel here with the milk and the word. He said that ye may grow thereby. See, your growth, your development, your maturity all happens by the word of the Lord. And so we, we listen, folks, we do no, no greater thing than be teachers, preachers, uh, supporters of God's word here at First Apostolic Church if we want to see souls that have been one developed, use the word. Use the word. It will not happen without the word of God. Amen. The goal of being like Christ, where it's stated there in verse number 13, unto a perfect man, unto the measure and the stature of the fullness of Christ, that goal of being like Christ is not going to happen without the word of God. Now, just bear with me here for a moment. The way that some have interpreted verse number 12 in Ephesians 4, based upon the punctuation that, it, that the way that it is in our English Bibles, but they, they have interpreted it that these ministerial roles of pastor, teacher, evangelist, so on and so forth, that these ministerial roles were for three main purposes, the way that some have interpreted this, meaning that the ministry, pastors, teachers, evangelists, all of them, that, that, that five row, uh, different roles there were for the perfecting of the saints, the work of the ministry, and the edifying of the body of Christ. Now, I'm not going to get real in deep here, but you can look at it yourself. 
there are, there are three times that the word for is used in verse number 12. The first four is one Greek word. The other two fours after that are two different Greek words. They are not all three phrases relating to those five rows that's spoken of in verse number 11. These are not three items that relate only to the five rows of ministry of pastor, teacher, so on and so forth. What this is in verse number 12 is a progression that builds one upon the other. In other words, it is the absolute responsibility of those five rows, those people that handle the word. It's their responsibility to equip or perfect, if you will, the saints for the work of ministry. Mm-hmm. I know this is maybe not, this in the olden days, this would not even be accepted. <laughs> but the purpose of ministry the preachers, the teachers, the evangelists, is to equip the people for ministry. Perfect them for ministry. And then, everybody say the saints. Because you've heard me before, you're all ministers too. Mm-hmm. Ministers, just a, 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 you're, you're, you're providing some service. You're a servant. We're all, we're all saints. We're all ministers. Then, what it built upon, so, so the, so the Five rows of pastor, teacher, evangelist, all those equip the saints for ministry. What is that? That's teacher. That's back in the carpet. That's knowing how to change the sign. That's knowing how to operate uh, the media, Sister McGee. That, 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 that's knowing how to order flowers when someone died in the church. That's knowing, there's all kinds of things that we could fill in there. That, 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 that's equipping them or training them for ministry. And whenever they do that, the body of Christ is edified, which is a fancy way of saying the body of Christ is built up. Tell me what sense would it make, what sense would it make that you had one item in your body that did every function of your body, but you still had all these fingers and toes and everything else, but they didn't do anything. They didn't do anything they were part of the body, but they didn't do anything. But they all relied on one part of the body to do everything everything else should have done. Someone say amen. I'm not saying, I don't want you to misunderstand me now. I'm not saying that a pastor cannot, if I use my row, that a pastor cannot equip saints and also do ministry service work and also build up the church by doing so. No, I'm not saying he cannot do all three of those things, but what I am saying is that he should not be the only one. Primarily, he should be training, equipping, perfecting other new souls so they can have a handle in the work of ministry. Amen. These rows, all of those rows of that handled the word was for the perfecting of the saints. And who are the saints? Well, here's a simple definition. A saint are those who have been taken out of Adam, been put in Christ. <laughs> taken out of Adam, put into Christ. Amen. And so the second four in verse number 12, and when I say four, I mean F-O-R, not F-O-U-R. The second four in verse number 12 then is really a reference to the saints and not to that pastor, preacher, evangelist, whatever row. The saints are for the work, for the work of ministry. 
And I'm leaving out the word the intentional because the word the is not in the original Greek language. It's not like the ministry. There's only one ministry. It's ministry. There's, there's a lot of ministry opportunities within a church. Amen. Case in point, we got little things out there where you sign and put your prayer request down. You know when those run out, someone's got to make copies and cut those up. That's ministry. That's ministry. And you don't have to have a degree in nuclear physics in order to do it. Matter of fact, with the proper training and knowing where all the materials are, you could probably get by doing that pretty, pretty easy, but you're making a contribution and you're not just taken. That's a good place for new souls, amen, to get involved on the ground level of being in the work of the ministry. And so whenever all these things start to happen, those ministries, the edifying, the building up of the body of Christ happen. Amen. Someone say amen. Yeah. So whenever I understand that, the roles handle God's word. They equip the saints for the work of the ministry, which in turn edifies the body of Christ. So you know what I understand from that, from that progression? If the five rows will do what they're supposed to do, and if the saints will do what they're supposed to do, the body is built up altogether as it should be. It works. Someone say it works. It works. So the body is edified when all the members' souls are functioning and working per their particular placement in the body of Christ. It's true. Look even at Ephesians 4.16 as it sums up this little section here. From whom, meaning Christ, the whole body fitly joined together and compacted by that which, everybody say, every, every joint supply of, according to the effectual working in the measure, everybody say, every, every part maketh increase of the body unto the edifying of itself in love. What is it saying? It's saying when the body is fitly joined together and compacted and when they're involved in their proper work of ministry, it will edify the body. Amen. And whenever it spoke of that, it wasn't just speaking about evangelist, pastor, teacher, evangelist, so on and so forth. It was speaking about the whole body of Christ. Right. Now here, here, folks, is where in verse 12, there's been a misunderstanding, uh, I think, of times past of verse number 12. And I think this is probably where the old paradigm uh, came from or evolved from. And they used to make jokes about it. You know, if you're ever going to have a, a, a trustee committee together that's looking for a pastor, here's the list of things that you know, might need to be prerequisites or requirements for him. The old paradigm was this, that the pastor did everything in the church. The pastor should prepare and preach the sermon, visit the sick, follow up on guests, teach the home Bible studies, mow the lawn, make the bulletin, do door-to-door -door outreach, pick up people for church in the church van, organize potlucks and outings, clean the church, manage all the financial affairs, etc., 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 etc. That's the old paradigm. Let me bring it something we can wrap our minds around. That type of mentality would be very similar to this, something I was alluding to earlier. It'd be very similar to this. It'd be similar to expecting our hearts to serve as our respiratory, digestive, and nervous systems in addition to being a, a part in the row of our circulatory system. I think D.L. Moody hit the proverbial nail on the head when he said it's better to put 10 men to work than to do the work of 10 men. Amen. And so people come in, they get born again in the water and the spirit. And I'm hoping in this coming year that we can work on this aspect of our church. 
that we can mentor, train, and put them in some aspect of ministry role that, that, that accommodates where they are in their growth process. Does that make sense? Where they are in their growth process. And so those five rows for perfecting of the saints, the word perfecting, don't get troubled over it. <laughs> they got to be perfect before they can find the work of the mystery. You got the wrong concept here. The word perfecting can also be translated as I've been using it, equipping. It is a word that means to make something or someone completely adequate or sufficient for something. The basic idea is that of putting a thing into the condition in which it ought to be. With this word perfecting, it is a word that they used whenever they were talking about ideas of mending nets or setting a bone, setting a bone that has been broken. And so whenever you consider both these instances of both the nets and the bones, things are put in order or adjustments are, are made to things that are out of adjustment so that they can gain use. Spoke of it in terms of mending net. What are you talking about? Well, they had to clear the algae or the debris off the net. That would be a, a, a means of mending the net. Or perhaps they had to fix a hole that was in the net in order to mend the net. But the ultimate purpose of their mending or their perfecting, equipping, was so that the net could be used. The, the, the terminology of the setting of a bone, a bone that has been broken, that doctor's making it, it's in right alignment. He's putting a cast or binding it up in some way uh, very carefully. Why? Because he wants that to heal so that that thing that is not presently functioning can function. It can be in use. The Greek authority J.H. Thayer said this. He said that word perfecting means to make one what he ought to be. And again... This requires the word of God because that's how we grow thereby. And as we grow, as the growth of a new soul is, there are certain, certain different works of ministry that they are qualified for. Amen. There are certain things that they are qualified for, I believe, biblically. And there are certain things that people would be qualified for as church standards that we have around here for instance, on our platform. We might have some things on our platform that isn't necessarily something that is uh, prescribed in God's word, but it is a preference on our part. For instance, if you're going to be on the platform, one of the things we have, we prefer that you be clean-shaven. It's not that we have any problem, amen, with someone being baptized and filled with the Holy Ghost that has a beard, but if you're going to be on this platform, it's just a church standard that we desire you to be clean-shaven. And so there are things, though, I believe even by God's word, different stages that you're qualified for along your maturity process. Amen. And here's the thing, folks. Whether that is the work of a finger or the work of a heart, it still complements, builds up, edifies the body. Mm -hmm. And so souls are ready for the work of God, might I say, once they've been trained by the word of God there's practical training for a work practical training there's some practical things that you might need to know to do some of the things here around the church and as I've often said a person is only as good as their tools and one tool may be the training that a person needs amen in order to do their job but maybe not received yet but while there's practical training none of that don't matter even how skilled you are that will not supersede the spiritual training of the word uh, for souls. Just for clarification around here, clarification around here, 
What that means is this. You may be skilled to do something in the church, but you may not be qualified spiritually to do it yet. You might have all the skills in the world, but those skills, if you've not reached the level of Christian maturity, you will not, you will not flourish or you will not function in that. Does that mean I can't do anything? No, we can find something for you to do. And you'll grow and get to that area where what you are naturally skilled for, you'll be able to be spiritually skilled for. Someone say amen. Mm -hmm. The Bible says in James 1 verse 23, for if any man be a hearer of the word and not a doer, and what do we do with that right there? If any man be a hearer, hearer of the word and not a doer, you know what I've always implied right there or the implication, what I've always deduced right there? It's not written, but it's just what I deduce. If any man be a hearer of the word and not a doer of the word, is that, is that, is that usually what you do? Huh? Is that right? He is likened to a man beholding his natural face in a glass, for he beholdeth himself and goeth his way, and straightway forgetteth what manner of man he was. But whoso looketh into the perfect law of liberty, just a fancy phrase, speaking of the word again, and continue therein, he being not a forgetful hearer, but a doer of the work. Doer of the work. Doer of the work. This man shall be blessed in his deed. Amazing me, because I always, doer of the word, hearer. Hearer of the word, doer of the word is what I always imply. And I wonder, though, just reading the scripture, if it is a, a slack in a hearing of the word and a doing of the work. What I'm getting at is this. Hearing the word prepares you to be a doer of the work. Huh? A doer of the work. No doubt that is also encompassed and bound up in the word. But being a hearer of the word, being trained, mentored, and equipped by the word prepares you to be a doer of the work. And the work of the ministry of the saints should be, should be, they should be equipped for the edifying or the building up of the body of Christ. Amen. And for us, it is equipping them to be sent out to plant and to harvest. Notice, they are prepared for the work of the ministry to edify the body. To edify is to build up. Works of ministry prepare you for places of construction in the church, not deconstruction. Let me say that one more time. You're prepared for the work of the ministry and what that does. Your works of ministry in the church should be for building up, edifying, the construction, not the deconstruction of the church. Planting, harvesting, not pulling up and destroying. With that being said, all right, let me just touch a little thread of pastoral work here. It's been my experience and the experience of those that have went before me, not just in this church but in other churches, that trouble, destruction, de de destruction happens in the church when somebody in the body has too much time on their hands. And they're not involved in some sort of ministry to occupy that time. If there's ever a negative voice, it will come from the one that's not in a work of ministry. They have too much time on their hands. All right? Now, understand this, folks. <laughs> I understand. It's not a fail-safe thing. I understand that the fact of the matter is we cannot equip people that don't want to be equipped. 
I understand that. The whole process of Ephesians 4 is based upon the very first verse of the book of Ephesians that says, Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ, by the will of God, to the saints which are at Ephesus and to the faithful in Christ Jesus. He, wasn't, he was not addressing two separate in, uh, groups of people here. The second phrase was just reiterating or giving clarification to the first phrase. To the saints which are at Ephesus, to the faithful in Christ Jesus. Because not every saint's faithful. <laughs> and so the second phrase brings clarification. Those faithful in Christ Jesus are those that are seeking what God is wanting in their life and for their life and to do whatever God would want or have for them to do. And so we want souls to be equipped to plant and to harvest. If I could say it like this, and the reason why I didn't go on and just separate to plant the harvest for next week is because we've really already covered that in the beginning of our, of our mission because what we're wanting to do is clone what we should be doing already. And so what we want to do, we want new souls to practice what they have been a product of. Mm -hmm. We want them to practice what they should have been a product of. And so this, this equipping new souls, there's a lot of power. It's very empowering to empower people and delegate uh, work and jobs and obligations in a church to people. When, when you center them around a common mission and a vision and a strategy and you release people in the body to function, huh? to function as they should function within the body of Christ, some of them having gifting, some of them having callings, some of them being trained and mentored for a particular ministry, man, it causes a building up of the body of Christ. When you release people in ministry, it's very liberating, not just for me, for everyone. Why? Because teetle-dee, teetle-dum's not just sitting there just doing their fingers. They have something to do. They made a contribution to the church. They made a contribution to the going forth of the church. They made a contribution to seeing so saved. If it's even that they're vacuuming the carpet, you just made a contribution to some soul being saved. You made this thing uh, nice and very ple uh, pleasing that they didn't have to come in and sit in on a bunch of gum wrappers from the person to gum during church. <laughs> no one get hung up on that. It's just a church that the way is designed to run. The old, the, old, the old field of dreams phrase that everyone used for years was if you build it, I heard it, they will come. But if we just tweak that a little bit to match scripture, I think it would be this, if you build them, it will come. So Mallory said this, she said, our purpose is to help people discover their own burning bush and then throw gasoline on that burning bush. Another, find their niche, find their contribution to the church and fan that flame and say, you know what? That's exactly what you need to be doing in the church of the living God. That's the way you can con uh, contribute. Look what Paul told Timothy, who again appears to be the pastor of the church at Ephesus. Here's what Paul told Timothy to do. 2 Timothy 2 and verse 2. He said, in the things that thou hast heard of me among many witnesses, the same, not different, but the same, commit thou to faithful men who shall be able to teach others also. You know what Paul's telling him? I've instructed you, I've instructed you with my words, my words of, in, in a good majority of the, 
uh, of the words as being God's words. He said, you take what I've told you and you commit that to some people, faithful people. You commit that to some people and let them do likewise. Why, what's happening there? I'll tell you what's happening. To love as God loves, showing compassion to every soul, thus winning those souls and equipping them to be sent out to plant. What are we doing in that aspect? We're taking what we have experienced ourselves, the processes that we've experienced ourselves in our Christian walk, we commit it to somebody else so they can play it out in their life. And they submit it to somebody else. It's just a constant cycle in reality of what takes place. In other words, Timothy, in other words, Pastor Timothy, equip faithful men, faithful saints, if you will, who will be able to do the works of ministry also. And by doing so, what's going to happen? The body of Christ will be built up. It will be edified. You'll stand with me here this evening. Now, with that being said, I understand a lot of the equipping portion falls, falls right here. Falls right here on those that I may have uh, within a team. It falls right here. But then once the opportunities for mentoring and training comes, then some of that falls out here whenever the approach comes and says, we would like for you to do such and such or so and so forth. We believe you can do this. I don't know about that. Well, that falls then on us. Here's the thing. I think sometimes we won't accept something because we don't know how to do it. But that's where the training comes in. It's where the mentoring comes in. There are a lot of things that in church life that you can learn that you may not know right now, that you'd be a little skittish of right now if we just threw you into it. But if we taught you, some of you might have been afraid if you ever got behind the steering wheel of a car and never had any teaching on about how to drive a car, you'd try to frown away from it. Maybe some of you would say, let's go. Maybe you stole a few cars in your life. I don't know. <laughs> but what I'm saying is you're a little bit more comfortable if you've had training and mentoring. So that's what the role of, of per se, pastor, teacher, evangelist, prophet, so on and so forth is for the equipping of that. And again, I, I say this purposefully tonight that in the coming year we're going to endeavor to do some more training and more mentoring so that there just are not pieces of the body that are attached to the body and have no function in the body because here's the thing you need to ask yourself new soul old soul <laughs> so you need to ask yourself what what is my function in the church? What is my contribution to the church outside of showing up, paying tithes and offerings? Do I render any service to the church on a regular basis? Do I render any service to the church on a Some people might be going, oh, I'm, I'm a teacher and I lead songs or I play an instrument or I do this or that, and that's great. But if you're sitting there and you're saying, I'm a part of the body, but you know what? There's really, I don't know anything that I really, I don't know of anything I really do. And that's what we don't want. We don't want this just to be a spectator sport. You're part of the body. And therefore, you should have and own a function in the body. Why? Because when you do, there's the building up, the edification of the church and the body. 
And if it's edified, Brother Cook, by five people in their service and work of ministry, how much more would it be built up if there were 10 or 15 that were rendering their service for the work of the ministry? The whole scenario in Acts 6, Grecians felt like they were being taken advantage of in the ministration of the food. What did the apostles come and say? said, we need to find some people that can take care of this work of the ministry so that we can give ourselves to prayer and to reading of the Word. What were they saying? They said, here's a ministry opportunity right here. Now, we could take care of it, but if we do, we're going to be cutting back a little bit on this prayer and this, this Word mentality over here. And we're, we're really supposed to be, you know, shucking the corn, feeding the sheep, and all this stuff uh, with the spiritual food. But we, there's a ministry opportunity here. We need to find people that can do this so that we could do this. And when they work at the same time that we're working, the body Amen. is built up and edified. It's just the, it, it's just the way God, God ordained it. Just the way God ordained it. Hallelujah. Let's pray here this evening. Thank you for listening. If you would like more information about our services and activities, you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter with the username FACMC. Again, that's FACMC. Thank you and have a blessed day.